Welcome back to another untitled TV review. Uh, maybe we're in the multiverse, Eric. By Ooh. Odin's beard. Today we are reviewing the first two episodes of Marvel Studios Loki, uh, which will begin streaming on Disney Plus on Wednesday, June the 9th. The first episode will be up and then the second episode will be next week. We are covering the first two episodes of the series. So one third of the series already. This is the most Disney's given to us at one time. The most we got three episodes oh god oh no um, <laughs> you got a little got, loki in your throat we did get three episodes of uh, of wandavision which i guess was a third of that show as well yeah but there um, was there were more episodes because they were shorter, shorter right and they but, were going for the sitcom format where both falcon and the winter soldier and loki are six episodes yeah, yeah and usually clock in close to 60 minutes mm-hmm. 60 misses minutes ah. <laughs> sorry i had a cough um directed by kate heron Uh, Written by Michael Waldron. Uh, Great profile of him in Vanity Fair. You guys should all go check out. It covers, you know, why Kevin Feige loves this guy and why they hired him to do Doctor Strange 2 as well as Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie and how he seems to be kind of in this group with Jack Schaefer and another uh, guy who was a script supervisor, our story supervisor on this, who's going on to do another Marvel show. Really great meaty profile in Vanity Fair you guys should go check out on Michael Waldron. Well they're keeping um, the continuity together, right? Like it seems yeah. like, you know, from what you're you're talking about there with the v- Vanity Fair article, you know, Kevin Feige is keeping these these specific players in mind for both television and film and also, you know, making sure that they can retrace their steps. So yeah. when they move forward because I think that's something we'll be talking a lot about during this sort of Spoiler free, spoiler free review, or at least just giving our initial thoughts on it is that, you know, this plays with time in a very specific way that opens the door up for not only the character of of Loki played by Tom Hiddleston uh, once again, but also the MCU as a whole, because now it's introducing more historical events and you can kind of <laughs> do the weird sort of you know, Brazil time bandits thing, jumping around time. Like I made the joke, like, or, or tweeted about like, it's kind of a little bit like time cop as well, where, oh, yeah. I mean, John claude Van Damme's not going to show up on the show, but like the, the idea, Will of, he? You you never know, know. <laughs> maybe, but like the idea of like jumping through those like door, like portals is very similar to the door, like portals in time cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we will react to the first two episodes, spoiler free. Uh, we'll kind of, tell you what they're about but we're not going to spoil anything and as eric mentioned maybe um theorize where the show is possibly going so uh obviously it stars tom hiddleston returning as loki uh but we got some new additions to the cast with owen wilson wow. as, Mob- as uh mobius and mobius uh gugum bathara as ravona renslayer um uh wunmi mosaku as hunter b15 um uh, and then there's some people we haven't seen yet um like richard e grant and um some others um that will show up eventually in the series so eric um what is loki about well i think we already kind of talked about it in, yeah. in terms of like plot wise it <laughs> seems to be sort of looking at you know, you have to go back to Avengers Endgame, and that's kind of where this starts. And that's not a spoiler because that's been advertised, and I think you need to oh, advertise yeah. that to people that are more casual film goers because or fans. Loki, 
spoilers for Endgame, um, dies. <laughs> yes. And so Loki dies, but is also reborn in a weird way in Endgame, or at least the variant of Loki, as he's as he's called in, in this, uh, the version of him that uh, was the villain in the original uh, Avengers movie from 2012, we see him uh, escape uh, the clutches of Thor and the rest of the Avengers with the Tesseract heading to uh, Mongolia, uh, but soon is captured by the TVA, which is the Time Variant uh, Authority. And we basically learn that they are a bureaucratic system put in place by these three godlike figures called the Timekeepers or Space as, Lizards. Space Lizards, <laughs> as Loki calls them, which I always feel is like a weird sort of like reference or joke to um, the 80s sci fi show that was remade in the 2000s V, where the sure. aliens look like space lizards um which had robert england on the show um and so loki from there is brought in to help sort of work alongside uh owen wilson's sort of analyst uh mobius uh and and sort of their camaraderie and and what i really like about these first two episodes the first episode being very much uh exposition heavy because it's laying out um the world but also Mm. sort of the inner workings of this institution that's kind of Mm. been introduced the rules of time travel in the mcu which were kind of established in endgame but they kind of had to go more into it here to yeah, you know, we learn about yeah. the sacred timeline, which yeah. is sort of like the timeline that we have all been watching been witness, yeah. for the last 11, 12 years now and like how things are supposed to go versus how things aren't and sort of the discrepancies. And we learn about that through this like wonderful kind of like, you know, PSA video uh, yeah. with uh, Miss, Miss Minutes, Minutes voiced yeah. by Tara Strong. Um and so from there, you know, Loki being Loki, he's still like this version of Loki hasn't matured or or sort of evolved in the way that he did in Thor Ragnarok and in the and opening Dark World. And, and Dark World and <laughs> uh, Endgame. So it's almost like you have to kind of course correct the character within those first couple of episodes or at least get him to a point where he can be somewhat of an anti-hero and so he is working alongside uh mobius but he also has to earn that respect but i also really like that that mobius kind of likes him but also is still very much cautious about how close he is to getting to uh, mm-hmm. Loki, and I and I think that the the two leads of the show, their camaraderie is a lot of fun. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I I really really loved. I mean, no surprise. Everyone who listens to this knows that I'm an MCU kind of fanboy. fanboy. But some things are better than others, right? Yeah. Like I think obviously Falcon and Winter Soldier started pretty strong and then kind of faded out near the end ultimately not being super super great it was still enjoyable but this i don't know I, I i completely fuck with this i love time travel stuff which is again why i loved a lot of the stuff in endgame um i love that retro futuristic vibe of the tva that that bureaucratic kind antiquated of antiquated technology it, yeah. that looks like it didn't hasn't been updated since like the since 1960s the, yeah, 60s but is also very futuristic and like that stuff you get a lot in like fallout the video game and and, and things like that um and i just i I loved that vibe and even though that starting with the first episode like um i kept telling people like i understand now why they gave us two episodes instead of just one um because i really i have a feeling they want 
they don't want press. They just, they kind of, I think when they give these things to us, they kind of know how we're going to sort of react to things or how the, you know, majority of people will react based on when embargoes are and different things like that. But the reason in my head, I go, oh, I get why they gave us two episodes because that first episode is very much. Uh, information heavy. It's an exposition dump. It is setting up the world, the rules of the TVA, the rules of time travel, having to explain that this isn't the Loki that, you know, <laughs> this we isn't have, the Loki that you know. <laughs> yes, it it is to an extent, but it's the Loki we know up until the first Avengers movie. So it's the Loki from Thor one and the Avengers. Although, you know, it is still the lo- the same Loki, but because he was taken before that growth happened, he is still very much the villainous Loki from self-centered and egotistical as ever. Yeah, and sorry, had to cough. Um, and then like I, I really love that, and and even though it is a big exposition dump and not there's not it's not very action heavy in that first episode. Um, that I could see them going, some people going, oh. Okay, what really happened? Like, if you're a huge MCU fan, you'll either go one of two ways, where you'll either love it for the nerdy kind of explan- explanation of how the timeline works and how time travel works and things like that, or I could see you go, well, I kind of already knew all this stuff going in. Like, I knew what the show was about. Like, I'm such a hardcore fan. Like, I know that this isn't the same Loki, but they, knowing Marvel Studios, they go, okay, this show kind of has to work for those hardcore fans, casual fans, and people who might just be scrolling through Disney plus and land on a show with Tom Hiddleston. And I don't know how many people there are who will do that, but that you got to think that the show still has to stand up on its own, even without everything preceding it. Um, so that first episode is very much set up. Uh, but I loved all of this setup. Like I love the design of the TVA, their headquarters and the city that they live in. I love that retro futuristic technology. I love the banter between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. Like their chemistry, I think is just fantastic and it's very funny, but then kind of, you know, biting and intense at times of Owen Wilson kind of alluding to the, he knows more about this Loki's life than this Loki knows about. And, and just kind of those rules of like what the TVA does and like, and shaping this sacred timeline. And, and even going back and you, we see these branches that were kind of explained by the ancient one in, in Endgame, And they kind of go further into that stuff. And, and it's so interesting if you're a hardcore fan of the MCU and, and time travel stuff can sometimes be tricky, but going back to Michael Waldron, um, I think that working on Rick and Morty, I can, I, I can totally see why they, plucked this guy from you know dan Harmon and and rick and morty and go okay you guys have done really great comedic multiverse stuff in rick and morty like let's bring some of that intelligence over here of how you can make this world that feels believable and you can't poke holes in them too much and and just the way that they explain everything i thought was super super interesting and um and, and I really, really loved that first episode um, as 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 fantastic setup. And I hope people aren't just like bored because it's mostly talking in that first episode. Yeah, I, I think you need to kind of, you know, set the table and then kind of from there, you know, dig into what's sort of being this show presented. This actually about. Yeah, yeah as, as the main course. And uh, Wumi uh, Masoka uh, is incredible as well um, as the sort of the leader or the head of the Minutemen. Um, and she Great was really too. and she was really wonderful in uh, his house, which is also on Netflix right now, which I highly recommend checking out. Oh, I do want to watch that. Yeah, she's awesome in that. Um, but yeah, I 
there's a couple of things that I didn't really love, but everything that you kind of mentioned in terms of the minutia and sort of the aesthetic of the world of which the TVA exists, I think is a lot of fun. And I, I, I said this when we reacted to the first trailer. I think the thing that I kind of like the most about this is the ideas that, you know, the, the the saying of you can't escape like the things in life that you can't escape are death and taxes they're always you know going to be those things around you but i also think that bureaucracy is that other thing that yeah. just, no matter what world or setting you're in there's always going to be a form of it and i like that sort of these characters and even with you know falcon and the winter soldier you saw that a little bit where like you know falcon sam was was dealing with finances you know Loki is being sort of held back by sort of, you know, paperwork and 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 court cases and being judged. And like I find that kind of stuff interesting because even superheroes aren't immune to, you know, the day-to-day grind. The mundane. Yeah, the <laughs> mundanity of it all. And that's the stuff I think that really um uh, works quite well in terms of creating like an office space esque kind of show. Like I even loved in the second episode where Loki has a desk and he's yes, like literally like memorizing sort of uh, sort of the codes of conduct the rules, and the rules yeah. and things like that and talking to uh, Miss Minutes. Like if you if it was your day one at a job and they give you you know the the onboarding stuff yeah. is like and it's kind of perfect in terms of like creating like that kind of sitcommy kind of environment without kind of being too sort of you know forceful with making it a comedy you know like it is comedic but it's still shot and 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 framed in a way that is also action sci-fi adventure stuff the things that i'm not the biggest fan of as of yet and i don't know i'm not as familiar with kate heron's crew with the exception of she directed a two-minute short which is wonderful which is a uh kill list the musical uh which which is you know like that is amazing in itself um but But she directed sex education on so she directed some some other tv but the thing that i didn't really love in the second episode there and i I won't give anything away but there's sort of an action sequence in the first episode um that i felt wasn't really well choreographed and put together. And there was some moments where I was still having problems kind of figuring out the rules of what's going on and sort of the spells that are being used. And it doesn't become clear until later on in that episode in part two. And the other thing is, and I don't know if if it's, if it's just my TV or if it's with the cinematography in itself, but I felt that the saturation within some of the TVA scenes because of the way that like the fluorescent lighting is kind of set caused a little bit of a headache for me or it was hard to watch at times. It had that heavy yellow ish. Yeah. It's, um, it's not on the same, like Soderbergh does something similar where like he'll shoots, like you look at contagion, the way that he shoots that, or like even Denny Villeneuve's enemy where like, it almost yeah. looks like he took like one of those like old fashioned translucent orange or, yeah. or, or yellow, uh, had cigarette it trays to the top of the lens and, yeah and <laughs> yeah. put that in your and you're seeing the movie through through that as a filter um this i felt like it was this weird combination of both a yellow but also gray filter that kind of made it feel a little bit jarring to kind of keep focused on at times yeah I, i'd be curious to rewatch this in 4k on uh, on disney plus in good quality because yeah. like again the screeners we get 
my fucking name is plastered yes. on 60% of the screen. And that's, I and guess, then, a, and a, the a, quality, the quality isn't super great. So like, even with the other Marvel shows, I went back and rewatched the episodes we had screeners for like on when they dropped on the service, because I wanted to refresh my memory now. Cause it'll be, we have to wait two and a half weeks until the, we get another episode. But, um, I agree with you that like, I like the cinematography and I liked the look cause I mostly cause I like the design and I like that kind of, lighting style but like oh, i don't mind I, the style of it i just felt that there was something i don't know if it was because it was our screener specifically yeah. or like you mentioned with the watermark which also doesn't help where like you're almost looking at it at some at points while yeah. you're watching it but there was just something that was kind of causing was giving me a headache which doesn't really happen often with programs like i'm not even triggered by any sensory stuff usually like i'm, I'm pretty good and this me was with kind blinking of giving me is the only thing that kind of this was giving me a bit of a headache like it, it felt hard to stare at any time that they were but i i liked it i didn't dislike the look like i think it but you can't deny if it gives you a headache yeah exactly like and so i That's was fair. wondering if it was like the screener itself so i would be curious to watch on wednesday to throw it on for you know a few minutes Just to, to see, see how yeah. it works but yeah like the action set piece that you're talking about i'm not sure but like i agree with the, you it's it's I'll, I'll I'll say this. It's the Renaissance Fair. Right. Okay. It, it just happens that. inside something. Yes. And the music choice is interesting. Well, too. the music choice <laughs> is I interesting. Like for, but but it's it, but it's also interesting because there's a lyric that it omits from the song that I thought it would, and it does, because they I, I'll tell you off air why. Okay. Because yeah. you'll know why um, as soon as I tell you. But but yeah. there's there's a lyric in that song that I was like oh, this is going to be weird if they include that lyric and then they don't. So Interesting. Okay. Um, I The action stuff I don't think is fantastic, but I think it was serviceable. Um, uh, but I do think that the show really kicks into gear in that second episode. And while I loved that stuff in the first one, you finally in that second episode, and especially at the very end, the, the cliffhanger, obviously these shows have cliffhangers. Um I think is really excellent and just a, a really wonderful kind of time crime thriller mystery sort of mystery, like, but just like you said, action adventure kind of thing. Um, and I just, again, I love time travel stuff. So like you said, when they jump around to uh, a Renaissance fair or they go to another location and like, I, I was constantly surprised at how much there was and where they go. And you kind of alluded to it of past, present and future of the M MCU. And in a time travel show, I think everything's, you know, on the table. And I think where that last episode really ends up and, and all the kind of, you know, how they're trying to figure out who is, because the plot of the show is someone keeps attacking the, you know, the timeline essentially. And, and they're stealing these kind of, time bombs from the TVA each time that they attack uh, uh, the TVA when they're kind of going through. Cause the TVA essentially goes to, you know, those branches that we saw in, in Endgame when the ancient one explains that basically the TVA's job is to go to those branches when they happen. If someone's fucking with, if these time criminals are fucking with the timeline and they go and they reset the timeline, they stop from what happens and, 
And I think that's kind of interesting because that's playing off as like, oh, we're resetting the timeline. But it feels like they're just neutralizing everyone in this timeline. Well, it's almost like, well, they're restarting it in the sense that like, I know what you're saying. They're obliterating the the people that have been affected by it. But it's almost like it just goes back into the original sacred timeline. But then I think that's what's interesting about time travel stuff and, and, and that is like, and I think the show will touch on that kind of stuff is like the moral ambiguity. Yeah. Of like, sure. Those people didn't necessarily exist until you created a branch timeline. Or They did exist, but then they became different versions versions of of variants of themselves. So, and essentially what they explain is like, if they get to this red line, um, it's too late. Like it's already a branch reality. And I thought that stuff was really interesting and the way that it plays out and the way that they kind of handle it. And, and this, this again, time crime mystery thriller thing. And like the bureaucratic nature of, like you said, Loki getting a, a desk job at the TVA essentially and helping Mobius and Mobius. And but then, then it going becomes through, CSI as like, well. Yeah, like when, exactly. When they go and on like, like it, it, doing field work, I almost felt like, you know, uh, Tom Hiddleston was channeling uh, uh, David Caruso or, or William <laughs> yeah. Peterson. Like I was exactly. waiting for like the one liner, like and the glasses, glasses to come yeah. off or something like that. And I think that stuff is great. And um, they really lean into that kind of stuff. And and Loki kind of you know working with Owen Wilson's character and uh, to solve this thing. And and when you find out who the villain of this show is, is really interesting. And you can really see, again, those Rick and Morty and why they plucked this guy from Rick and Morty. Because I think Rick and Morty has done such a great job with multiverse stuff and, and playing it straight up for laughs or just show how fucked up Rick is and, and, and things like that. But I think they've done a really good job to explain a multiverse. And you can see that being pulled into the MCU. And and like you mentioned, Eric, like this feels like the one show so far. And I think WandaVision and this show will be more tied or closely with Doctor Strange 2, which Michael Waldron rewrote with uh, Sam Raimi um, completely from scratch. So they threw Scott Derrickson's script in the in the trash. No offense to Scott, but obviously they had some creative differences and they brought Waldron in to write Doctor Strange 2 with Raimi. And you can see that those three things now and, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier obviously has implications because of, you know, Falcon and, and his story and everything like that. But it does feel like the weird you know, it feels like phase one or phase two Marvel kind of stuff like that. I'm like, oh, it seemed cool, but we could have just, you know, made Anthony Mackie Captain America. And that show doesn't feel like it's going to have huge implications on the MCU. But this, if they're really leaning into multiverse stuff, which we got teased in WandaVision and obviously with Doctor Strange being called the multiverse of madness. And Endgame as well, hinted and, at as well. Yes, obviously. Yeah. But like, this really thing like to me now feels like it's setting up Dr. Strange and that multiverse of madness. Right. So well, like, even Spider-Man, and, right? Like uh, th- w- there's still rumors of like what that is going to actually be. And Dr. Strange being in the, the next Spider-Man movie, even though Sony and Marvel don't really seem to be always sort of collaborating together, yeah. but it does seem like even that is, is going to have some ramifications with this show where, well, that being the next thing after this show, yeah. probably. That and will- also the, even, even with the Eternals, because you're introducing godlike characters now into the franchise. I mean, not just Thor, but like, you know, these timekeepers being referenced throughout these two episodes. And, and I feel like the Eternals probably will have some sort of connection to them in, in some way or another down the line because it feels like those characters the 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 eternals have probably been around as as long as the timekeepers yeah and um 
Yeah, I was just genuinely surprised at where they go in this series when it comes to time stuff. And um, and I can't wait to see moving forward where they'll go. If they'll revisit things from the MCU, show you different sides of it, show you different versions of it that we keep talking about. Um, what if seems like it'll probably ta- uh, tie into this as well when we're talking about multiverse stuff with the Watcher and showing you alternate versions of characters and things like that. And I think this show is introducing you to all of that stuff. And that is so, so cool. And and that's why I don't mind that first episode being so exposition hep- heavy. And the second episode really setting up what the overall you know time crime is in this. We had a time heist. Now we have time crimes have it happening and i i just i i'm fine with that because it really feels like this phase of the mcu will focus on multiverse stuff so i feel like giving someone a meaty 50 minute episode of them explaining all that stuff isn't the worst use of time like i think ah um <laughs> that i think it's it's really well done and i again i just really love time travel stuff I and now combining that with the mcu and then doing it in a way where this retro futuristic thing that i keep talking about like i love miss minutes miss minutes and mr dna definitely hooked up at some point or our lovers or in or an alternate timeline like that there you go i i said the saint vinatour bagel maybe she had an affair with him i don't know no, i thought if, i happening. thought as soon as you see like, that that sort of that PSA or that sort of sort of step by step video play. I I thought of like, oh man, if John Hammond appeared in this video, it wouldn't be out of place. No, it wouldn't. And you get that great animated sequence that really feels like that Mr. DNA sequence from Jurassic Park. And they both Park. have like and weird like, southern accents too, which is Yes, like, that's why I'm like there that has to be intentional. Yeah. And they have to be lovers. I, I um, want to also mention because you know, like the 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 references to Rick and Morty are important, but I also think and and I and I mentioned it, but Doctor Who, I think, is a, is yes, a big part yeah. of this as well because there's a couple locations that that are visited in episode two that Doctor Who visited as well uh, in the revival series, and so it's kind of interesting. Like even the score um, by Natalie uh, Holt, the main theme sounds very similar to the main theme of uh, Doctor Who, like that kind of weird, creepy, but kind of also intriguing sort of um sci-fi sound that that doctor who has and then i also think it's important to note that that kit heron i think is directing all six yeah. episodes so i i like that as well that y- you have you know marvel is is bringing in filmmakers to direct the whole series you know this this and not just like a couple of episodes and then bringing in somebody else and making it inconsistent in terms of, of style. But again, like I still think that there are some hiccups with some of the action, but I'm, I'm always fascinated by, like you said, time travel minutia and sort of getting into sort of the, the, the little nitpicky things and whether it works, whether it doesn't, I think that stuff's a lot of fun and going back quickly to, to, you know, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson who have worked together already in, in, um, uh, Midnight in Paris, which was also yeah. weirdly like a time travel esque movie. Um, their relationship actually weirdly reminded me of Pam Greer and Michael Keaton's relationship in Jackie Brown, where okay. you have yeah. Michael Keaton playing sort of an agent for the government, 
but he's kind of drawn in by Pam Greer's Jackie Brown and likes her, but he also has to kind of like keep her at an arm's length because he realizes like he can't be tempted into kind of like, you know, going along with her sort of, you know, giving into the heist that they're, that she's trying to pull off and, and, and what have you. And that's kind of what it reminded me with this relationship where you have these two characters where Owen Wilson knows what Loki is capable of but he still likes him and is weirdly rooting for him even though he is still at the end of the day a company man and has to do his job but there's still something almost like this weird like fascination or or he's weirdly rooting for him in in, in an odd way and i actually mm-hmm. i'm not the biggest tom hiddleston fan but i actually do think that there's some emotional moments in that first episode where you're getting kind of the greatest hits of loki of loki yeah. that really work well from an acting point of view. And I think that he does deliver something there that kind of feels similar to when, you know, Chris Hemsworth was finally kind of figuring out Thor for himself. And in that way where like this series is offering him, you know, some new layers to kind of play with. And I think that'll be interesting as well. And also just goes to show you how much, you know, wiggle room Thor gave Loki compared to the TVA. Like Thor was way more forgiving to the point of always (laughs) being backstabbed where the TVA, you know, like Loki's still a a mischievous scamp, but um, the TVA you know they're 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 not giving him that much of a a a leash to go by so yeah let's say it stays true to his character for sure um there's also um i guess that's it's just a one-off gag but i like the one-off gag of uh that is mcu timeline of what loki did (laughs) that they reference that features a famous event that i i thought was uh quite clever and funny yes um which happened to be a bet with thor and (laughs) i thought that was good um i uh, i adored these i again i i say i feel like i say this every mcu um series but it it is fascinating that you know we're now this is the third marvel studio show and i just feel like it works so well in a television format and i shouldn't be surprised at that but i think you can tell that they are putting in the budget they are putting in the time they're hiring the right people to make these feel you know like like premium events we just like tv i think i became frustrated with in the streaming era a little bit and i didn't watch that much because i liked the week to week kind of television format of like you know, everyone being on the same page, watching it at the same time. And like, we got that recently with Mare of Easttown because HBO still does the week to week at a specific time. And, and I feel like these MCU shows and Mandalorian and the Disney plus stuff, because they have adopted that they've made them events and they've made you go, okay, everyone's going to watch this on Wednesdays, uh, watch it in the morning. Cause people will be talking about it, which is the one shitty part. Um, but I really love, and I just feel like they feel like, you know, the same quality we're getting from the movies and it'll be really interesting to now go into black widow but more so like moving past black widow and into eternals and spider-man and shang chi and um or shang chi sorry uh and moving forward of how they're going to d- differentiate those experiences and like the budgets will be higher and the budget per minute will be higher on a movie so like will they start to feel different like when we're watching a movie compared to the TV show. And obviously they will, cause they're paced much differently and things like that, but, but they're like, still intertwined enough where like, yeah. I think that's also a key to these first few series is that their event television 
on a weekly basis and they kind of get you addicted, but they're also sort of connected or a bridge to a, another series or a, a film that is you know of a franchise that is so popular right now that it's kind of again breathed new life into the series overall the mcu overall so you know like people will watch because they know that this has ties to other marvel movies or other marvel shows and that's really savvy and smart because like if this was a self-contained thing i think you would find probably maybe less people would be watching on a week-to-week basis or wouldn't try to watch it as sort of feverishly as as you know some people do when you know it pops up at three or four a.m in the morning and and i think that like again like you look at like what agents of shields was like that show had a fan base but it technically was mcu at the time now i don't know if they consider it canon right but but people weren't watching or talking about it in the way that they are about these three shows because they are really you know driving the point home that this is a part of the overall mcu and that if you miss any of this you're missing a part of the whole picture mm-hmm. no totally agree uh it's great i can't wait for you guys to see it um first episode is this wednesday uh june the 9th uh i definitely think it'll be another one of those shows like wandavision and falcon and winter soldier to an extent where Every Wednesday, you're going to want to. It's Wednesdays now, not Fridays. They change the day for these Marvel shows. I'm not sure why, but um, I don't know. Maybe Wednesdays it's the now. summer. It's like, maybe the yeah, summer. Yeah, maybe. So, Wednesdays, um, again, my how I do it with Nevis is we wake up and we watch it before she starts work, right? So, you watch it at eight in the morning or something like that. And if you don't want to be spoiled, like it sucks. Yes, people are going to talk about it right away on social. Um, so luckily, you know, Disney forces press to, you know, be spoiler free. So you're not going to have that second episode spoiled or anything like that. But um, well, hopefully not. Yeah. But I like when the MCU gets weird and they seem to be doing different things. And Falcon and Winter Soldier was that one sort of semi stumble that felt pretty traditional that like I, I this is more in line of with WandaVision where but it's somewhere of a mix of both where I think eventually we will get more classic mcu kind of stuff in this but uh, i think when we're dealing with time travel in the tva and you see the animated miss minutes pop up and you know loki has the conversation with her of are you real or are you not and like and the little uh and then like owen wilson drawing the stick figure running on the technology kind of thing like weird and then just the design of the tva and everything is just it, it gets into the weird kind of stuff of the mcu and um that's what i really love and i like that we're able we're at that point now where again i've said this i think the last couple shows but movies can be different genres within the mcu they're not just a superhero movie or a superhero show anymore right we're talking about one being a thriller or a sitcom or who knows what other genres will tackle but uh really love this obviously i think if you're listening to this you're probably excited for it so it lives up to that and i think um you, you should really enjoy these first two episodes yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, and I think that it's, again, you know, appointment viewing, is, as you mentioned, where it's like you want to watch it as soon as possible because you don't want to be spoiled by social media. But it also gives you an excuse maybe to avoid social media for, you know, uh, a day or so, which, which isn't is a, bad, never thing. a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're jinx. Um, 
thank you all for listening. Uh, we have tons and tons of stuff uh, these next couple of weeks, but specifically this week, uh, we just put up our new schedule over on our Letterboxd HQ. So head over there, Untitled Podcast is our hub for all of our reviews, our schedules, our, uh, you know, any shenanigans we want to post is over there on Letterboxd. So go check that out. But we have our 93rd draft this week, which previews the Tribeca Film Festival, which starts this Wednesday. And Eric and I will have reviews for a bunch of movies probably daily maybe every other day depending on how many we watch and we'll, we'll let you guys know but tribeca starts this week so we cover that in our 93rd draft as well as everything else that's going on uh, we have a review up for plan b which is a movie that's streaming on uh hulu right now in the u.s not available quite yet in canada but it is excellent so go check out our review of that very funny uh important uh i think you guys should all check that out when it eventually gets uh released in canada but if you're in the u.s go watch it right now and listen to our review uh we have a review for in the heights which should be um either up right now or very very soon uh so go check that out uh which is also playing tribeca so kind of ties into all of that uh netflix film awake uh, as well as the sequel to the hitman's bodyguard so the hitman's wife's bodyguard you guys so many apostrophes uh that'll be probably on thursday um and then uh, Tribeca starts this week, as I mentioned. So we'll have tons of reviews over on this channel. Matt, so Movie much reviews. content. It, it really is. And, and we're hoping we get you a review of A Quiet Place Part 2 soon, um, as well as I know I heard that it's probably going to be on Paramount Plus in early July. So at the latest, that's when we'll be able to see it earlier. Maybe if we go to the drive-in or something like that, if it opens as well as fast, I don't know what they're doing with that, but we'll figure that out. The movies. Yeah. The back baby. It's playing a (laughs) Yeah, I know that was weird, right? Like, cause like it's technically, um, going to be out here yeah. and uh, out worldwide for a couple of weeks. It's just, it's not coming out in France until late July. Right. Yeah. So it's a French premiere of fast. It's an outdoor screening. I don't know. Weird. I mean, it's whatever. still cool, but uh, yeah, but it kind of cool, felt yeah. like a little bit of like underwhelming compared to yeah. like what there was. There was like, Oh, we have this huge a planetary blockbuster. blockbuster. And everyone's like, is Dune playing, uh, which is playing Venice. Uh, anyways, uh, follow us on all those social medias, untitled underscore cast. And I'm at Matt Roarbeck everywhere. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Gotta get some of that uh, bluey uh, candy.